0: You're listening to a Mint podcast, brought to you by HD Smartcast. Welcome to another enlightening episode of Why Not Mint Money, Mint's personal finance podcast, where we deep dive into all things related to money, investments and financial planning. I'm your host, Akshat Rodgi, and today we have an eye-opening discussion on the brewing crisis in the Indian alternate investment funds space welcome to why not mint money a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth so let's get started with your money journey as some of you might be aware AIFs or alternate investment funds are specialized investment vehicles that cater to the sophisticated slash accredited investors that encompass venture capital funds and private equity funds, also infrastructure funds. These funds typically have a predetermined life of 8-10 to 10 years, during which they invest in various assets and startups, aiming to generate substantial returns for their investors. However, here's where the trouble lies. Several AIFs, valued at a staggering 17,500 crores, are set to expire within the next 16 to 18 months, but they are facing unforcing challenges in winding down their operations. AIFs are designed to attain maturity at the end of their specified term. At this point, the fund house concerned is expected to liquidate the scheme, sell off all its holdings and return the capital to the investors. Theoretically, this process should be smooth and seamless, however, in reality, often things are different. Lack of liquidity and legal constraints resulting from a funding winter have created a financial crunch for many AIFs, especially Cat1 and Cat2. As a result, they are finding it incredibly difficult to sell off their holdings and distribute the capital back to their investors. In such dire straits, AIFs do have an option to seek a two-year extension from the market regulator but this route isn't without its challenges. When an AIF's term comes to an end, there are two primary options: a liquidation scheme or an in-specie distribution. So let's explore what are these things. In a liquidation scheme, it involves initiating a closed-ended scheme that purchases the units of the expiring AIF. Once this scheme is set in motion, the AIF cannot accept any additional funds and reverts to its original tenure. However, it becomes ineligible for any further extensions. So if an AIF has a life of 10 years and has taken an extension from for two years, it in the liquidation scheme, it could only have a tenure of 10 years and no extension is allowed in that. In-species distribution. In this option, the AIF transfers its stake in portfolio companies, equity shares, CCPAs that are compulsory convertible preference shares, CCDs, convertible, uh, compulsorily convertible debentures, to the investors on a, on a pro rata basis. To proceed with this route, approval from a significant majority, that is 75% of investors by value, is required. If this approval is not obtained, the AIF may be forced to go for an in specie distribution, transferring its stake to all investors regardless of their consent. So now the journey doesn't end here. The new provisions for AIF's exits have introduced some critical challenges and contradictions that are making the exit process even more complicated. One significant challenge is the requirement for the fund manager to secure bids for 25% of the portfolio before proceeding with either the liquidation scheme or an in distribution. This can be cumbersome as finding buyers for just a portion of the assets may not be as straightforward as selling the entire portfolio, leading to obvious delays and obstacles. Moreover, there is a contradiction between the rule mandating 75% investor approval for the exit process and the possibility of paying off dissenting dissenting investors from the 25% bids. This creates a priority distribution waterfall mechanism, seemingly conflicting with the principle of fair and equal treatment of all investors, which SEBI prohibits in an circular dated November 2021, if I were to remember it correctly. So, here's another twist in the tale. In case the fund manager manages to arrange 25% bids for the portfolio, investors may decide to revoke their consent for either a liquidation scheme or an in-specie distribution and instead opt or rather force for liquidating their investments from the 25% bids secured by the fund manager. So, this creates potential complexities and disputes for the fund manager as they may now reconcile the interests of investors who change their exit preferences, further delaying the process. The tax implications of the liquidation process in AIFs can be quite significant, causing liquidity and tax payment challenges for the investors. When 75% of the investors agree to the liquidation scheme, suppose B and the original scheme being A, and now 25% portfolio bids are arranged. The swapping of units from the original VC fund A to the liquidation scheme B becomes a taxable event. This means that investors may occur capital gains tax on the difference between the cost of acquisition and the net asset value of the units at the time of swapping. Additionally, as per the section 194LBB of the Income Tax Act, The AIF is required to deduct TDS at a rate of 10%. This TDS deduction along with the long term capital gains tax payment by the investors can create liquidity challenges as investors may need to make tax payments without any immediate cash gains or any cash consideration as well. This situation can potentially strain investor cash flows and affect their ability to manage their other finances effectively. So, I talked to Deepak Agarwal, who is the Chief Financial Officer at Singular India Opportunities Fund. He expressed concern about the guidelines. He stated that the guidelines do not adequately address funds whose liquidation period has already ended and and leave them without any clear exit strategies. Uh, He also pointed out that while the guidelines aim to protect investors, they cannot prevent a fire sale by AIFs and a fire sale could potentially lead to substantial losses for both the dissenting investors as well as the remaining investors. Now let's see what happens in an in specie distribution, what are the challenges related to it. So in specie distribution comes with, with a whole set of challenges. When a VC fund holds shares of a portfolio startup X and intends to transfer these shares to its investors, the process may be subject to restrictions if mentioned in the Articles of Association of the Startup. If the AOA explicitly states that transfers of shares are subject to certain conditions or require the approval of Board of Directors, the Portfolio Startup's Board has the right to reject the transfer. In such a scenario, the Board of the Startup can exercise its discretion to evaluate the transfer request and, obviously, it can or it may reject if they believe that a transfer does not align with the company's or the startup's strategic objectives or the existing shareholders' interests or if there are any other reg- legal or regulatory concerns. Now, suppose if a VC fund holds stakes in foreign startups and considers an in distribution or transfer of shares to its investors, there are potential compliance viol- violations and conflicts among different investor groups. For instance, Individual investors, HNIs, who invest in AIS may face conflicts due to the limitations of the LRS scheme, which restricts resident individuals from remitting more than $250,000 annually for various purposes, whether it's your child's education or remitting to your parents, anything, including foreign investments. Family offices are mostly structured as trusts and may also encounter difficulties ex- accepting in specie distributions. Of foreign startup shares as trusts are not allowed to hold foreign unlisted securities. Additionally, institutional investors such as insurance companies and NBFCs may be prohibited from directly investing in foreign shares or may require approval from the RBI, the Reserve Bank of India, which will potentially delay the liquidation proceedings. Also, foreign investors holding shares in startups that are locating, located in unfavorable jurisdictions may be hesitant to receive the shares through an in distribution as they may face challenges in remitting stock overseas and avoiding the DTA complications, a double taxation avoidance agreement with the various countries. Then there are there is also a violation of the FEMA Act. The Foreign Exchange Management Act guidelines stipulate that the fair market value of unlisted shares, CCPS for this case, should be calculated by two independent merchant bankers in accordance with international valuation strategies so mostly dcf has followed discounted cash flows however this can lead to potential problems let's say let's take an example if two independent valuers assign a fair market value of let's say 600 and 650 whereas the bids received by the fund manager are, are at an nav of 300 which is 50 to 60% lower due to a fire sale, then the swapping of shares for the liquidation scheme below the fair market value can be considered as a FEMA violation. So now the lack of clarity on who would be responsible for affecting TDS in such cases where investors do not agree to a liquidation scheme or an in specie distribution leading to the scheme's closure raises concerns. Now investors as well as fund managers are left wondering. But how the money would be returned to them in such scenarios, and who would deduct the TDS? The AIF industry in India is facing a critical crisis, as several funds are set to expire without a smooth exit process. The complex liquidation rules, contradictions, tax liabilities are to the challenges faced both by the fund managers, the funds, and their investors. Well, investors should tread carefully and be cautious about chasing the startup dream through AIFs unless the rules are amended to provide clear exit, or I should say clearer exit strategies and address the potential hurdles. We hope this episode has provided valuable insights into the pressing issues in the VCP industry and empowers you, the investor, to make informed decisions about your investments. So now that's all for this episode of Why Not Mint Money. I'm Akshat Radhgi. You could follow me on Twitter or X at the rate Radhgi underscore Akshat. You could also send me a connection request on LinkedIn. I could clear your doubts on both the channels. And I'll be back with more enlightening insights and tips on personal finance in our next episode. So until then, stay financially wise, stay safe and keep growing your wealth. Thank you. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com.